Okay, we, we are going to turn now to, to God's Word. Uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. And that's going to be found on 798. Thank you, Jim. Page 798. And as I, um, as I mentioned in the prayer, yeah, this is, this is more of a... Um, I won't say it's like a theological message, but it's more of a, it's more of a theological message. It's, it's, it's one of those parts of the character of God that I think it's difficult to wrap our minds around. And I, you know, I, I have some very tangible, very real-life situations where it hits us and where it affects us. But just you know, that question of a little bit, you know, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, how do they work together? Um, a little bit, you know, things that we don't understand about God. And let me, you know, I'll let you in on a little secret. If we could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a mystery to that. And there's something that our minds can't always wrap around. But it's, what is, what is it about? What are we talking about every, every sermon? Faith. <laughs> you know, faith. It's just that trust that even when we don't understand God or parts of his character, we trust in him. We depend on him. So um, maybe that's my little caveat tonight. But, but uh, God's, you know, God's word is, is, uh, is plain and it's complete and it speaks to us. It speaks to our lives today. So I'm going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. Death through Adam, life through Christ. Verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, The gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. And we all say, thanks be to God. 
thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for, for Romans 5. Thanks be to God that even though one man sinned in Adam, Jesus came to be our righteousness and to free us from that. And we're going to unpack that a little more and explore what that means. So, a few years ago, this was the first year that we were in New York City. So, that, that's 10 years ago now. And we were invited over to some family friends for Christmas dinner. And picture the scene. You know, this was like my mother-in-law's best friend. They lived in this huge house in Westchester, which is this really nice area north of the city. And there's snow everywhere. And, and Abby's friend was this um, wonderful cook. And actually, to be honest with you, she has a chef that, like, cooks for her all the time. I don't know how, but... So this guy from Jamaica made our Christmas dinner, and it was amazing. So you got the turkey, you got everything, and uh, Lily and I were there. There was maybe 10 other friends, and they sat us next to this older couple, and, you know, we're sitting around having Christmas dinner, and the guy kind of leans over, and he's just saying, okay, you know, what do you do? Why'd you move to New York? All these things. And I told him that I'm, you know, that I'm a pastor. And he kind of looked shocked. And, you know, I, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of used to that. But he, that caused him to kind of lay out his own philosophy of life and his own, the way he looks at, at it. And that, you know, that's cool. I like, I like having those conversations. And he said to me, you know, basically what I believe is that there is, you know, there's, there's a lot of churches out there. And some churches preach about the God of love, and some churches preach about the God of hate. Which does your church preach about? It's like, hmm, is there a wrong answer to that question? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think I just said, like, the God of love? I mean, do you want to talk more about that? Can I unpack that for you? Because we might not be talking about the same thing here, man. But... Most people, most people don't, they don't put it as explicitly as that, but, you know, I think a lot of us have that same struggle, and the struggle is, like, how do we bring together the, this idea of justice and mercy? You know, justice is really important because, um, you know, there, fundamentally we believe that people should, you know, get what they deserve, I mean, good or bad, right? And then mercy is also really important because, you know, God is forgiving and God is merciful and, you know, different parts of the Bible talk about justice and mercy. I mean, justice is all over the Bible, God's justice, Um, but so is God's mercy and his grace. And what do we do with all that? And and I think the bottom line, what does it have to do with you and me tomorrow morning, right? Um, this, this has been a question that the, the church has struggled with for, for literally 2,000 years, this, this question. And, you know, the, the, the idea is basically, well, have you ever read through the Old Testament and you thought, wow, this seems kind of different from what Jesus is teaching. You know, because sometimes in the Old Testament, God is there and it's saying that God is like destroying whole groups of people. And he's using the people of Israel to just like wipe out huge swaths of people. 
And then yet when Jesus, God in the flesh, when he came to this earth, he told us, he told us, when somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Don't hit them back. Don't, you know, don't return. Don't return evil for evil. Don't return violence for violence. And there was, uh, so all, the whole time Christianity has wrestled with, with this. And in the third century, so we're talking like 1,800 years ago, this, there was a leader in the church, and his name was Marcion. And he believed that the Old Testament God, you know, the Hebrew God, was this sort of separate and wrathful God, except it, not even a God, but just sort of an entity, a powerful entity, and that then the New Testament, Jesus was like actually the real God. And of course, the church rejected that as a heresy, as incorrect with you know, the Marcion heresy, um, because we know that God is, is one. God is one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it's, it's one God. And there's another pastor <laughs> that wrote recently, uh, Kevin DeYoung. He said, divine love without divine wrath is meaningless. So love and justice, love and wrath have to go together somehow. But how, how, does, that, how does that work? So tonight I want to talk about God's justice and God's mercy and how they come together in Jesus and he's the one that solves that problem. He's the one that brings together God's justice and mercy in, I think, actually a pretty surprising way, in an, just an incredible way. So first, let's talk about God's justice. Um, thinking about that, the Romans passage that we, we read, or even thinking about the Heidelberg Catechism that we read, you know, talking about you know, how we're all impacted by the fall. A lot of times I think about my friends and my family members that are not believers, um, that are not, you know, involved with, uh, with Christianity, and what does it sound like to them, these, these things that we profess? I think, that's, I think that's important. But I also think it's important to understand that in our culture, so every culture is different, and Christianity supports some things in that culture and is really offensive to things in that culture. And that, to me, is evidence that it's actually true. <laughs> you know, if it totally lined up with one culture, that wouldn't make sense. But if it, you know, completely rejected it, that doesn't make sense either. So, like, in, our, in, our, in other cultures, like, uh, especially in Asian culture, what they don't understand is God's forgiveness, because it's an honor and shame culture. And if you, it's all about saving face. And you lose face if you're going to say, oh yeah, I'll just forgive that sin. I'll just forgive what you did to me. That doesn't make sense at all to them. Well, in our culture, where we are in Western culture, in North American culture, we are very individualistic. You know, especially the culture that you know, some of us come from, you know, white European culture. We're, we're, ve- we're, we're very much like, if, it's, if it is to be, it's up to me. <laughs> you know, we set the path for our, own, for our own destiny. And so it doesn't square up with this vision that a lot of us have of Jesus. Um, you know, why, why, would, 
Why would Jesus um, talk in this way? And why would, um, why would we be responsible for the sin of Adam so long ago? Like, how does that impact us? But that's a, that's a misunderstanding of justice. Because justice and love and jealousy even, they all go together. Um, I wrote this big, you know, in seminary you have to, kind of the, the last year of seminary, you have to write like a 40-page research paper using the original language and, you know, exegeting a passage, you know, looking at the passage and breaking it all apart and looking at, you know, so I looked at the, this Hebrew idea, the, the Hebrew word is kina, and it means jealousy, and it means God's jealousy. And we often think about jealousy as a bad thing. Like, oh, well, you know, my, my girlfriend's talking to somebody else and so I'm jealous of her. Well, the Bible talks about, in not a lot of places, I think it's seven or eight places, but it talks about God's jealousy. God's jealousy for his people. He's jealous of us. And so he wants to destroy anything that, um, that gets, you know, that's not of him. <laughs> you know, that gets in our way. He's like, he's like a loving father that doesn't want us to play, you know, to play with fire. Um, we've, been, we've been having fires in our fireplace the last couple months because it's, it's cozy and it's nice. And, and Silas, you know, being five years old, he knows, I do not go near that fire because that'll hurt. And then with Stella, our 13-month-old, we just have to keep her Far away, because they can get hurt so bad. And doesn't, I mean, Jesus said, you're not even a very good father, and you give your children, you protect your children, you give your children bread. God, our Father, has that protection of us and doesn't want, doesn't want these things to, uh, to hurt us. And so Paul, in Romans 5, he's unpacking, you know, how we got into this predicament how we put ourselves here. And he's saying that the sin of Adam and Eve that we looked at last week, it was spread to each one of us. You know, the, the, sin, that, the sin that ensnared them also ensnares us. And it wasn't, you know, just eating a piece of fruit or eating an apple. It was control. It was wanting to be God. It was, you know, rejecting Rejecting the true God and saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to bend my knee to anyone else. I want to be able to do what I want to do. And Paul's talking about, you know, the sinful choices that we make and also how we're just drawn. We're drawn to sin. And that we, we can't not sin. <laughs> you know, we could try really hard, but we're, but we're not perfect people and we mess up. And that's, you know, that's called original sin. And it, it's, it's, it's original to every human being that lives, is that we, we, we mess up. But the, the reason that we struggle, or many people struggle with this idea of corporate sin, is that we're, we are individualistic. Uh, the catechism says that we're all affected. We're all affected by the fall because of Adam, because of his sin. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem fair, and yet this is how the world works. 
Just think about, you know, genetics. Think about your parents. I mean, we receive our features and our looks and maybe even our bad temper. You know, we get them from our mom or our dad. And it's the same way with, with sin. Um, at, the, uh, at that event on Friday night when we were talking about just abuse and trauma, um, we were talking about how much the things that happen to us, you know, in childhood or as teenagers affect us. And they affect us later in life, and we might not even know about it. But that's, uh, it just, it affects us. And, um, yeah, that's just, some, that's just something that's in our world, you know, the, the sin and the evil that's, that's, that's out there and that actually involves us, too. Um, one, one writer said that uh, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it, it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? We all have that struggle with good and evil. And it's, it involves all of us. It's not some bad people you know, over there that we can just get rid of. We're all, we're all guilty. And part of that is, uh, is God's justice and how he's going to, to, to deal with it. But, along with God's justice, there's also mercy. And if we look at the cross, if we look at the cross, if we think about Jesus and what he did in sacrificing himself, we see mercy all over the place. We see grace, we see mercy, we see forgiveness. Um, we, when we think about mercy... We, um, we think about, you know, forgiving other people and letting God's mercy flow through us. But that's such a difficult thing because sometimes our, our hearts get hard. And uh, it's, it's so easy when you've messed up to, you know, want God to forgive you. And, and we, we're all excited about God's grace when it's for us but then extending that to someone else. Like when somebody's hurt us or wounded us and we have to forgive them, it's actually hard work. It's not, it's not you don't just snap your fingers and forgive someone when they've really hurt you. And it actually, it actually can be pretty dangerous to say, eh, yeah, no big deal, man, Let's, it's fine, let's just move on when you haven't forgiven them. Um, I, I love this... Uh, Christian songwriter. I mean, I grew, up, I grew up with him. I grew up singing Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. And we even sang one that Rich Mullins wrote this morning in Sunday school, um, Step by Step, Step by Step, You'll Lead Me. Um, Rich Mullins has another song called Let Mercy, Let Mercy Lead. And it's this beautiful story. His friend had a baby and named him Aiden, which is actually my nephew's name too. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a... He, he wrote it just using this metaphor of running the race of life. And it's all about, you know, as we run that race of life, as we do all these things, 
Let mercy lead. Let mercy be the strength in your legs. You know, don't try to power through. Don't just let mercy lead you. Um, because it's so easy when you, when you just deal with people all the time to kind of jump to judgment and to think, hey, I've got it all figured out. You know, you just got to listen to me and you messed up and why didn't you do that? Why don't you do that? Instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Letting mercy, letting mercy be the first thing you think of. Letting mercy lead. Kind of like we were, what we were talking about this morning. Um, Jesus' words about the, you know, the plank and the speck are just so incredibly wise. <laughs> you know, go back and pick up your Bible tonight and, and read what Jesus is saying there about, you know, assume that your brother, your sister, your neighbor, whoever you're fighting with, assume that you have a plank in your eye and they have a speck. Don't mess that up. Just give people the benefit of the doubt and be curious and ask them and assume that you don't see the whole picture instead of the other way around. There, um, we, we, we have to let mercy and grace and forgiveness be, be the first word. I mean, yes, there is, there is justice, there is judgment, there is, there is hell, but there's also mercy, and mercy is what brings people home. And when I, when I think about you know, those two things coming together, justice and mercy coming together, I think about Psalm 85. It says that love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. <laughs> that's, an awesome, that's an awesome picture. Um, it's a great metaphor because you're kind of thinking about opposites. Like, okay, love and faithfulness are kissing. Righteousness and peace are kissing each other. It's kind of like when you're in high school and you're like, wait, he's dating her? Are you serious? It's these things, and they're, they're kissing. They're kissing. God's, God's justice and mercy are kissing. They're coming together in, in Jesus. That's where you find it. Because God's, God's anger at sin, you know, that anger that he has as a father that wants to protect his children, it falls on Jesus. And he took upon himself that, that anger, that wrath, that judgment. And what we receive is mercy. So it's, you know, we call it the great exchange because all of our sin and all of our brokenness goes on Jesus and he gives us righteousness. He gives us, you know, the, 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 perf- the perfection that he did. He lived a perfect life. And so when God looks at us, when he looks at his people, he sees Jesus. He sees a son. He sees a daughter. And we, we, we get that, you know. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were the enemies of God, he, he died for us. That's how much he loves us. There's this, there's this very important biblical word, and I'm going to just close with this. Um, it's an Old Testament word. It's, it's uh, H-E-S-E-D, chesed. It has, it's like... It's, it's a really hard word to, to translate, 
Um, the closest thing in English would be like God's covenant, faithful, loving kindness. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, it's, it's just his love. But it's more than that because it's like, it's a covenant, but it's a perfect covenant. It's never going to be broken. It's, God's never going to divorce his people. It's, it's everlasting. It's this covenant, faithful, loving kindness. And I was talking with somebody in my office a couple weeks ago. How often do we think about God as kind? You know, we kind of miss that sometimes. God's kindness leads to repentance. But that's, that's mercy. That's God pouring out his love on people. And everything that Adam lost in, in the beginning, Jesus gives, us, gives it to us back. And there was, a, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Love and Mercy. And it was about this incredible musician, Brian Wilson. He wrote all the songs for the Beach Boys. And he had a really, he had a really difficult life. Um, he was, his dad was very abusive and beat him. And even though he's this musical genius, I mean, he could just, the songs that he wrote and the arrangements he made, I mean, people are going to be listening to those songs for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but he, he had mental health issues, like a lot of geniuses, like a lot of really smart people. And unfortunately, he, a lot of the movie, a lot of his life was being under the care of this abusive doctor who was like, who turned him into a shadow of himself and just put him on all these drugs. And he was just, you know, this zombie for decades. And yet he, he met a woman that became his wife, that helped him get out of that situation. And it's been very, very redemptive. And instead of being angry about all the years that he lost, he's this joyful guy. And he wrote a song called Love and Mercy. And it, 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 uh, it plays at the end of the movie. And, you know, in the, in the song, he describes all the pain in our world and all the, the horrible things that we see on the news all the time. And yet, he says that at the end of it all, there's going to be love and mercy. And that's, you know, that's the story. That's the hope that we're clinging to. That, that our whole lives, you know, the whole world will be love and mercy, but also our life, our individual life can experience that, can experience the redemption of Christ. And that, that in Jesus, justice and mercy come together and they, they kiss. They come together in this beautiful way. So let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that you have, um, you have brought these amazing things together. And that we have your, your word which, which teaches us. And makes, makes clear you know, your love for us and the salvation that you offer. And so, God, I, um, I pray that, you know, as we reflect on this, as we continue to read your word and respond to you, that our love for you will deepen. Um, we love because you've loved us first. And God, even in the things that we don't understand or the things that have happened to us that we don't know why, we pray that we would trust you just, just like a little child that trusts uh, trust their dad, that we will have the eyes of faith 
to see you and to believe even when we don't understand. Thank you, God, for being so incredible that you are, you know, beyond our, beyond, your love is more than we can fathom, and yet you're also so close to us, and you know us, and you, um, you're present with us. So God, thank you for your, for your power and also the, the relationship we can have with you. Uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.